been good to you, all right? Just do that right now. One way God's been good to you. All right, now I want to hear from you, okay? So just shout out some of the ways God has been good, good to you. Health. Jobs. Yeah, delivering son from addiction. Health. Kids. Healing. Yeah. What is it? Friends. Yeah, one more. Yeah, just being there. God, just being there for me. You know, when we sing a song like, God, you're so good to me, you're so good to me, it's good just to reflect on how God has actually been good to us. It's good to just say, God, you've been good to me. And I, I don't want to just say that generally, God, here's ways that you have blessed me. Here's God's, here's ways that you have been good to me. And, and, and I just believe that God wants good things. I do. And I, and I believe that God wants good things for your life. And I believe that God wants you to do good things in this life. I mean, how many of you want to make a difference in, in the life that you have, right? Let's make a difference. And, and I, think, I think really when you hit big benchmarks in your age you start thinking about that anytime you hit a 3-0 or a 4-0 or a 5-0 or how many of you are a 6-0 amen 7-0 no not quite not quite um, you're getting there though you're getting there so when you get there you think man especially when you end with like 29 you're thinking wow 29 I'm about to hit 30 what's gonna happen next I'm about I'm 39 some of you have been 39 for a few years you know what I'm saying you've been 39 you keep thinking I'm about to hit 40 and uh and then you go on, and I've, I've got a big one coming up, but when anytime you start thinking about, I know, it's, it's 40, it's cool, it's cool, guys, it's cool. I'm right there, I'm almost there. But when you start thinking about that, and you start reflecting on your life, and you start thinking, I want to make a difference with my life. And, and I really believe that that's because God has hardwired us. The Creator wants us here for a purpose. He made us for a purpose. He wants us to make a difference in this life. And so all of us are thinking, God, what can I do with my one and only life? And of course, Jesus is our example here, isn't he? Because really, he's the one who made the biggest difference of all. 2,000 years ago, he came to earth. He died in atoning death. He, he raised again from the grave. He went on to then continue to empower us so that not only would he make a difference, but we would make a difference. And he established what's called the church. And guys, the church is not a place. The church is a group of people on mission so that we can make a difference in our generation. That's what we're called to do. And I'm just crazy enough, I know, just crazy enough to believe that those of you who follow Christ, that if you're a Christ follower, your family should be better for it. If you follow Christ, your school that you go to should be different because you're there. Your workplace should have a different attitude because you're there. You're making a difference in your workplace. I just believe that if you're a Christian, your neighbors should be glad you live next to them because you take care of God's creation and you mow that lawn. You trim those edges, amen? And they should be just glad that you're there. And guys, our city ought to be glad that Access Church is here. And we've been talking about having 2020 vision, and this is the last week of that, but we want to have 2020 vision for ourselves, for our family, for our church, and now for the world that we serve. And the, the difference is that we say, God, we want you to do something within our generation through us. We want to play our small little part in, in this generation. And one of the places to see people who made a difference and to learn from them is in the book of Acts. 
Jesus establishes the church. He sends his followers out, and they are now ready to make the biggest difference ever in the world, the biggest difference that the world has ever seen. And so in Acts chapter 1, verse 1, the author writes, and he says, in my former book, Theophilus, those of you looking for little boy names, it's a good one, Theophilus, all right, call him Theo, it's cute. And uh, he says, in my former book, Theophilus, now what was the, what was the first book? If this is the this is the second book what was the first book the gospel of luke good job the one of you knew that now maybe more of you know but you just didn't say anything you're too nervous he said i wrote about all the things that jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions to the holy spirit to the apostles he had chosen so he did everything he was going to do everything he was going to teach and now he's with his apostles and it says after his suffering he presented himself to them and he gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. So he was meeting with his disciples. He was showing up with them over and over to prove to them, hey, I defeated the grave. And these guys were now going to go from cowards to courageous. They were going to go from fearful to now they were going to be those who make the greatest difference ever. And he gives them many convincing proofs. He appeared to them over a full period of 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. Now, what difference did that make? What he's saying is, because I resurrected, I'm God in the flesh. I've been telling you that. Now I have proven it. And now, guys, we're going to change the world. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 says, On one of the 40 occasions, or one of the times over the 40 days, I mean, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. And so he's about to give them some instructions, some last-minute instructions. Here are the last words that he's going to say to them on this earth. Guys, you're going to make a difference. And hear the words I want to tell you. And those words, I think, still apply to us today. They might surprise you. The first one, if you want to be a difference maker in this world, pause. Pause. Take a time out. In fact, chapter 1, verse 4 says, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Now, how many of you like to wait? Amen, you like waiting. How many of you are patient, right? How many of you are impatient? You don't like to wait? Come on, why is this count down at the light why does somebody have to be in front of me why can't you drive a little faster why can't this line go faster but jesus said if you want to be on mission with me wait pause i know that you want to do something great in this generation or i know you want to react in some way i'm just telling you if you're going to do that you have to pause first he had a mission for them that he was going to read, that they were going to do. Not only were they going to go to Jerusalem, but the surrounding area and the entire world. And he said, I know you want to get started, but don't do it quick, too quickly. Don't get started too quickly. And, and, and we have a term for this. It's called a timeout. How many of you watch Super Nanny? She has a little timeout chair. It's for kids and a little misbehaving. Put you in a timeout chair. They maybe learn their lesson. We didn't have timeout chairs that I remember when we were kids. We had something that, well, at least my parents referred to it as, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you, right? That's what they talked about, all right? And uh, I don't believe that, but I, that's what they said. But a timeout chair, but that's not the kind of timeout I'm talking about. I'm kind of talking about the timeout that in football, the, the coach says, let's pause for a minute. In basketball, let's pause for a minute. What is it? It's a moment to come together as a team, to reflect together, to hear from the coach, and then to go back out and execute the plan on the field of battle. And I think a timeout for us is we need to pause long enough to hear from the coach. That's the kind of timeout we need. 
And these were important to Jesus. Jesus took timeouts before every major uh, challenge that he had. When he first went into ministry, he took a 40-day timeout in the desert. When he chose his first disciples, he took a timeout and went away by himself to pray. When he went to the, the cross, before the cross, he went where? He went to the Garden of Gethsemane and prayed. Jesus took a time out. Some of the best things that I can do is take that time out every day. How many of you, you wake up in the morning, you take a time out right from the beginning, you pray in the morning, you read that scripture, and you reflect? Or maybe during the day, you have a sticky challenge that you're going through, some decision that you have to make. Maybe you're uh, tense about something, and you just take a time out for just a couple minutes and just say, God, I need to reflect here. Now, maybe I read a scripture, God, that I need to get my mind right on this. Take that time out. That's why Sunday's so important, because if it, if it wasn't scheduled, Sunday morning, we're all going to be here together, gathered together in this place, what would we do? We would pack our schedule with something else, right? We just would, because if we didn't make this a priority, we would pack it with something else, and in the Old Testament, they called a Sabbath day Saturday. In the New Testament, after the resurrection of Jesus, they flipped it, and they made it Sunday, and so that's why we come together on Sunday, and we worship, is because we are distracted in this world, and we need some time. That's why we're here, to honor God, to reflect, and to take a time out. That's why it's such a priority to do that. Pause long enough from the week. Don't work. My grandfather used to say, Stephen, any money that you're going to make on Sunday, you're going to lose on Monday because you didn't honor the Sabbath. So take time. Go to church. Eat a good lunch. Watch a little football. Amen. And then take a nap, all right? And do something, but take time then to reflect on your world before you get going again. Take that time out. And Jesus said, you're going to change the world, church, but before you do, don't leave wait take that time out and so here's what we're going to do at axis you know we are we are at a at a nine to ten year time we just hit 10 years old and when you do that you start to reflect and start to think god what do you want for the next 10 years what do you want for the next 10 years and and i really josh and i when we envisioned this message we envisioned it going a little differently we thought we're gonna hey let's lay out a plan next five ten years how about we just say this these are the things in the next year even that god's going to do here Boy, I mean, just as I was digging into the scripture, I just didn't feel like that's what we're supposed to be doing. I really feel like God leads us the way that he leads them, and that is, you guys need to take a pause. Recalculate. Collect together. Take a time out. Pause. Remember the verse in Psalm 127.7, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. And we don't want to just establish goals without inviting God into that process as a community of faith. And so starting tomorrow at 2.20 every day for our 2020 vision, I want to ask you to set your alarm. From now until February 20th, now until 2.20, I want you to set your alarm at 2.20 every day and pray. And I want you to pray something like this. Just very simply, God, fill us with your Holy Spirit in a powerful way. We want to be energized. We want to be used by you. We need your power, and we want to change the world that we are in. In Jesus' name, amen. Something to that effect. 
God, we need your power. I invite you into this. I invite you into our church, into my life. God, would you open my eyes up to see things that I wouldn't have seen on my own, whether it be personally for my family or for my church, God. Would you just give us your vision? Give the vision to our leaders, God. And we want to take a time out and pause. So at 2.20, every day, set your alarm. And you might ask me, do you mean 2.20 in the afternoon or 2.20 in the morning? That's up to you. <laughs> That's up to you. If you're in a business meeting, you're like, well, I'd rather go at nighttime. Fine, go at nighttime. Some of you guys are getting old. You get up 10 times anyway during the night. Amen. So you don't even need to set the alarm. Just go ahead and pray. Just pray. Doesn't have to be long, but we're all going to pray together as a community of faith. Number two, if you want to receive from God, if you want to hear his vision, you do have to receive. Chapter 1, verse 8, or verse 4 again of Acts, wait until the Father sends you what he has promised. He has something specific he's going to give you. He wants you to wait so that you can receive. He wants to give you something in this moment. And he says, don't go anywhere. Wait until I give you the right things, until the right tools that I give you. Anybody ever started a project without the right tools before? Anybody ever used a butter knife to screw something in? been there don't do that doesn't work very well anybody ever use your fingernail to screw something in that definitely doesn't work very well anybody put a nail in with the end of a wrench because you didn't have a hammer i've done that anybody use the the heel of your shoe before doesn't work very well we had a a problem here a couple two or three weeks ago we had a toilet that had clogged here in the family restroom how many of you knew were aware of that there was a sign that said out of order for like three weeks because i didn't want to get into it and anyway i just kept praying tonight i mean just god would you just send somebody or god would you unclog this toilet in jesus name anyway so like it was I, it happened on christmas eve all right now i don't know which one of you did it but congratulations all right because it was it was if you think it was bad it was worse okay and I would go in there every day or so, and I would try to plunge it, and it was not successful. And I would try to plunge it, and we just put that sign on there saying, something's going to have to happen here because this is horrible. And so one day, Josh and Andrew were over in the office. They were having some spiritual ministry meeting over here. And I was like, hey, guys, there's a bad toilet. It's been there for weeks. I'm going back over to plunge it. Just want you to know. I was, I was, I was hoping what would happen was exactly what would happen. The two of them went, we're going to go help him. And they did. They came in. And now there's three pastors looking at this nastiest toilet ever. And we're like, what are we going to do? And we get these rubber gloves on. I know you guys are happy about that. We get these rubber gloves on. And uh, Josh and I are like, well, let's get into it. Let's dig in. Andrew just stayed back. He's like, he's like constantly like wanting to gag. We're like, you'll be all right. Just stay out of the way. We know what we're doing. Anyway, so the first job, I know it's disgusting. Hey, don't be grossed out. You didn't have to touch it. All right. So like, we get into it we start working on it we start i'm like first thing we're gonna dip it out dip it out dip it out put it in a bucket throw it away in a toilet all right that's what we did we get it down to a level we're like now we can get into it so we take we don't like well we don't have anything so we got a plastic hanger we broke the plastic hanger in half we started like sticking that thing in there like man somebody did something in here got to get this out guess what plastic hanger didn't work i was like we need a snake we don't have a snake josh is like i know what i'll do he goes over to kid city gets a hula hoop gets a hula hoop i know don't worry guys we put it back we put it back it's fine it's fine 
Anyway, we cut that hula hoop. Now we're like sticking that thing in there. Come on, man, let's get this thing out. Roger comes by from the coffee shop. Says, what are you guys doing? We're trying to get this toilet unclogged. Meanwhile, Andrew's about to hurl. And we're in there with it, just trying to get the thing out. And he's like, well, I got a snake. I'll go home and get it. I told Josh as soon as Roger left, I said, by the time he gets back, that thing's going to be unclogged. I guarantee it. And you know what we did? This is disgusting, but it is what it is, friends. I just, we were like, well, let's take the screws off. Let's lift the thing up. Let's just see what happens and see what's in there. And that's what we did. We lifted that thing up, and I reached up in there with a rubber glove like I was birthing a baby. You know what I'm saying? And everything came out, and it is clear. So I want to tell you something. When you go into that bathroom right now, that family bathroom, you go in there today, and you go in there and you use that thing, you need to appreciate your pastors, all right? You need to appreciate us, because that's what we did. We cleaned it out. I'm just telling you right now, if you don't have the right tools, it's hard to do the job, right? And Jesus just said, <laughs> talk about the most awkward pastoral ministry transition ever, anyway. Hey, Jesus just says, hey, it's a dirty job out there, friends, and you need the right tools to do it, all right? And that's what you need. And he said, here's the tool you need. You want the right tool? Use the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, the job that I have for you is so big, you need help to do it. Don't try to do it on your own power. You need my spirit. In the Bible it said, not by my might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Now, I believe the Holy Spirit is given to everybody who becomes a Christian. Acts chapter 2, verse 38 says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I believe that everybody who becomes a Christian is given the Holy Spirit. He promises to help you in your life, to help you through the difficult times, the good times, to comfort you, guide you, direct you. But I also believe there were times in the New Testament when God gave a special dose of His Spirit. He gave a special manifestation of His Spirit. And I believe one of the best ways to tap into the special manifestation of God's Spirit is to fast. Fasting is a spiritual practice used all through the Scripture. Fasting, we have kind of made it, I'm going to say no to something so that I can get something more. Some of us have said, well, I'm going to say no to TV so that I can spend more time with the Lord. And I think that's a valuable thing. Or I'm going to say no to sweets so that I can, whatever. But in the New Testament, what it really meant was we're not going to eat food for a period of time so that we can prepare and God can teach us something. In Acts chapter 13, verse 1, it says, Now in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them, so that after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Before they were called to do ministry, they fasted and prayed. In Acts chapter 14, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church. And when they prayed and fasted, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. And so again, before they were set apart for ministry, they were fasted and they prayed. They involved the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus, in Luke chapter 4, right after he was baptized, he went to the wilderness and for 40 days he fasted and prayed. And when he came out of that period of time, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he, where he was for 40 days, tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. 
And I just believe that fasting is one of the best ways to receive from the Lord. Jesus overcame that temptation, and then guess what he did? Now he's ready to start his ministry, and he goes back to his home church. How many of you know when you grow up in a home church that it's hard to go back there and minister, right? Because why? Because Jesus gets up, and he just gives a message to everybody. The message was essentially repent. And now how many of you know the old women in that synagogue are like, don't you tell me what to repent? Jesus, I changed your diaper when you were a kid. Do not tell me to repent. You know what I'm saying? It's hard to minister to those that you grew up with, right? But Jesus just gets up, and he's going to preach to them, and he's just going to read a passage of Scripture. And here's what he reads. He unrolls Isaiah. In Luke chapter 4, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So then he takes that scroll, he rolls it up, sets it down, and then it's sort of like a drop mic moment for Jesus. And then guess what he did? He leaves the synagogue and he does ministry. And here's what I'm saying this is a good place. We need this place. We need to pause. We need to receive the Holy Spirit. And guess what? Then we need to go out and do the work. The stuff of ministry doesn't happen in here. It happens out there. And Jesus needed to be able to receive and then go minister. And so here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask on 2-2020 that we have 20 hours of fasting. No food, only water, one day. I've, I've fasted several times, um, a few times for many days. And every time I do that, you'd always think, well, you're going to take more time and pray. And maybe that's true. But for me, every time that I fasted, God taught me something about myself that I needed to know. God gave me something that I needed in the midst of that. And so on 2-20, we're all going to take a time. If you're physically able to do it, then we're going to ask you to that day, just drink water throughout the day and, uh, and fast and receive what God wants to give us as a church. Number three, focus. Refuse to be distracted. If you're going to accomplish anything significant in life, you have to be focused. How many of you get distracted easily, right? Your wife calls you, like Lisa calls me. She says, I need you to go to the grocery store. That's great. What do you need me to get? I'm, I'm going to tell you. You need to get this, 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 and this. In my own mind, once I reach five items, I start to forget things. This is true. Like five or under, I'm good to go. Milk, bananas, bread, got it, got it, got it. You give me more than five, I start to forget. I'm, I'm there at the grocery store, and in my mind, I think, okay, I'm in the right place but I don't remember all the things on my list. Anybody ever done that? I don't remember all of what she told me to get. And so then I have to call her back and say, now what was that thing again? And I have to rely on her memory. You get distracted. You have to stay focused. There are a lot of good things out there that distract us. A lot of good things. But we have to stay focused on what God wants us to do. And Jesus here has been with these disciples for three years. Guys, here's what's gonna happen. We're gonna minister, we're gonna love people, I'm going to suffer and die for the sins of the world. I'm going to resurrect, and after that, I'm going to leave, and it's up to you and the Holy Spirit. And uh, they're all like, okay, we got it. You're going to minister. You're going to suffer. You're going to die. You're going to resurrect, and you're going to leave us. We got it. Got it. And then what, is the, what do they say right here? The very last words of Jesus. Now they're in this last conversation, and what do they say? Acts chapter 1, verse 6. Then, after Jesus said, you're going to receive power— it says, then they gathered around him. So all the disciples gather around him, and they say, now, no, Lord, listen, when is it going to be at this time or another time that you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? 
In other words, they totally missed the point. Rather than think about the greater mission, they thought about the domination of the Romans. They thought about, now you're going to be our great king. And Jesus just real patiently, real patiently with them, just says, guys, don't worry about that. Don't be distracted on those things. That's a lesser thing. I'm not just going to free Israel. I'm free in the world. And you guys are going to be a part of it. So don't worry about this stuff. God has a bigger vision. And guys, as a church, it's so easy to get distracted with the trivial and get off mission and, and be distracted by the culture and be distracted by the activities. And I believe that one of the best ways to not be distracted is to worship. I really do. When you come in here and you worship the Lord or you're in your car and you're praying or you're singing or you're focusing, there is just something about that that takes the mind off the things of this world and puts it right on the heart of Jesus, right? That's one of the reasons we come together to worship. And so what I'm going to ask is on 2-20-20 in the evening, after we've had a month of praying at 2-20 in the afternoon, after we have fasted for the day on 2-20-20, that that night we would come together as a community of faith on a Thursday night, and we're just going to worship. We're just going to worship. We're just going to receive from the Lord whatever He wants to tell us, however He wants to do it. Maybe He has some special thing for you to do that right now you don't know, and I don't know either. And for our church, maybe there's some plans that he wants to lay out. And I'm pretty sure we're not just going to come up that night and worship and then suddenly we're going to write up 10 things we're going to do. I'm pretty sure that's not going to happen that way. But that night, we're going to receive from the Lord whatever he wants to tell us. We're just going to worship him so that we can just cry out to God. Say, God, we want to honor you and worship you. Help us keep our eyes only on you. And I believe that as we do that, he is going to begin to speak to us about a much greater future. You want to stay on mission in your life? pause and pray, fast and receive, and focus on God's greatness. And then finally, expect. Expect that God's going to do something. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in all Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He says, when God's Spirit comes on you, you will have power. You will have power. And not only that, you will be my witnesses. You're going to testify about what I've done in your life, and you're going to go from Jerusalem, which is kind of your inner circle, those that are close to you. You're going to go to Judea, which is kind of your county. You're going to focus on what other broader spheres of influence you have. And then you're going to go to Samaria, which is the other parts of the world, which I think really in our context means we're going to do some things cross-culturally or across some barriers. And so, God, would you give me an eye that sees those around me, those are a little bit further, and then those are different from me, God. Help me to see them with different eyes. Help us to expect that God's going to do something great in our generation. And by the way, these were normal, ordinary guys. Some were fishermen. Some of you today, you have a better education than the common fisherman. Uh, one of them was despised. He's a tax collector. People didn't like him. Most people like you guys. <laughs> Most people like me, too. He was despised. There's one guy that felt he's totally self-sufficient, put his foot in his mouth all the time. There are two guys that kind of were overachievers and looked a little bit too highly about themselves. They, they go on down the list. You'll find a skeptic who had problems with believing. And yet this group of ragtag, uneducated, simple men they paused 
They received what God wanted to give them, and they continued to focus on the mission, and God used them beyond their imagination. Now, in my plans, because when we originally planned this series, we were going to end with, here's some visions or plans that God has for us. So in my plan, I was going to lay those out. And I'll tell you what, some I had in mind. I, I thought, but wouldn't it be great if in 2020, every family brought, brought one person to Christ? Now, that might mean you'd have to talk to 20 people, but every family in the church brings one person to Christ. Wouldn't that be cool? I said, well, let's not just have 2020 vision. Let's have double vision. I was going to do a little play on words there. Let's have double vision. How about we double the number of people in discipling relationships in 2020? If there are 125 people in discipling relationships and community groups, how about we have 250 by the end of the year? Wouldn't that be great? And then I was like, how about in 10 years we have double vision? We number, double our number of campuses from two to four. I just, and then I just sense, you know what? Let's just wait. Let's just pause. Let's receive what God has for us. Let's fast and pray as a community of faith. And God's going to reveal to us maybe some of those and maybe some other ones. But let's just see what God has in store for us. And that's what we're going to do together. And we're going to follow this verse in Ephesians chapter 3. I pray that Jesus Christ and the church will forever bring praise to God. His power will be at work in us and do far more than we dare ask or even imagine. William Carey once said, who was the father of the modern missionary movement, he said this, here's what you need to do. If you're going to be a world changer, you need to expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. You need to expect great things from God and then attempt great things for God. In our generation, in our time, to be a difference maker. We're going to expect that God will do great things among us, but we are going to receive, and we're going to be ready, and we're going to hear from the Lord so that then we can attempt great things for God. I want to pray to that end today, and I want to just ask that all of us would be open to hearing from the Lord, one life at a time, being changed in our generation. God, we just pray. We thank you for moments like these in the life of a church. God, we've had a great 10 years. And now we're, we're continuing to seek your will for the church and for our own lives. In 2020 and beyond, God, how will we see with much greater clarity? God, what are you asking us to do? We want to pause, God. We, wanna, we don't want to just push ahead of your plan. We want to hear from you. We want to receive from you, God. We need your power. We need your direction. God, we want to focus be distracted by all the things, all the possibilities of what others are doing or our own schedule, our own agenda, God. We just want to focus on what you have for us. And then, God, we're going to expect, because we know that you're faithful, God, we're going to expect that you are going to do great things in and among us in this generation. God, we pray that always it'll be to your glory. And so, God, help us every day at 220 to pray a simple prayer. God, give us your power. Give us your spirit, God, in a, in a greater way. God, help us see your vision. Help us to make an impact in this generation. At 220, we're going to pray every day. And then on 220, we're going to fast that day, God. We're going to set aside food so that we can focus together as a congregation, as a church. And say, God, we want to receive from you. What is it that you want to teach us? And then, God, that evening, we're going to break that fast by worshiping. We're going to worship you, God. We're going to worship together. 
And we're going to not be distracted by the world. We're going to focus in on you. God, we want to hear from you. We want to know your plans. And God, we're going to expect that, it, that, that in all these things, that you're going to accomplish your will. And God, we look forward to the, what's going to happen in, in our generation. We love you, God. And now we worship you. We thank you in Jesus' name.